And welcome to Talk to Talk. I am Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. And I am so happy there's a really important, uh, well, what we call a multi-district litigation, which we'll certainly talk about um, going on that affects all of us. Um, and we are just so lucky to have attorney Jan Olson from the Environmental Litigation Group. Uh, Jan, thank you so much for joining us on Talk to Talk. Uh, thank you all for having me. Well, let's start there. You are an attorney with the Environmental Litigation Group. That sounds like an august group doing important work. What is the Environmental Litigation Group? Yeah, we're a, we're a law firm in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, primarily, we handle major environmental cases and toxic exposure. Uh, so um, across the country, mostly in federal court and in uh, large litigations such as the such as the PFAS litigation. Well, you say such as the PFAS litigation. Um, I guess let's turn our attention to there. And I guess we have to start by by explaining what PFAS means. So yeah, um, PFAS is short for um, per and polyfluoroalkanated chemicals. Um, oh, stop there. Say that again slowly and in English. Per and polyfluoroalkylated chemicals or substances. Um, okay, substances. PFAS. PFAS. Okay. One more time so I can hear it. Just per and polyfluoroalkylated substances. Okay. What what and are they? They are a fluorinated fluorinated chemicals that are in a substantial amount of consumer products. Um, Teflon pans is one of the one of the main ones. Um, food wrappers, uh, firefighting foam, um, uh, just about anything you can think of that would be uh, that water repellent. Um, so water repellent clothing as well, um, all, all over consumer products. And the the biggest problem is that they they leach off and they can get into the water supply and they're um, almost impossible to get rid of without without ex uh, some very fancy filters. Um, they're, they're a very, very big problem and almost impossible to remediate from a, from, from a waterway or soil. Why do we care? What do PFAS do to us that we don't want done to us? They are very, very carcinogenic and cancer causing. Um, they've been linked to numerous cancers, other health effects, um, primarily kidney cancer, testicular cancer, prostate cancer, um, thyroid conditions, including hypo and hyperthyroidism, thyroid cancer, uh, the list goes on. Um, mo most cancers of the lower body um, are in some way linked to PFAS. That includes bladder cancer as well, um, some, some links to colon cancer. And this research is still, uh, the science is still being developed. Um, a lot of it's rather new, even though these chemicals have been around a while. Um, so that list is still growing. So attorney Jan Olson from the Environmental Litigation Group in Birmingham, Alabama. So there is a source among the sources that you just mentioned. Um, it's called aqueous film forming foam, abbreviated AFFF. That is a source of these horrific carcinogenic substances we call PFAS. Um, so what is this litigation attempting to do with respect to this AFFF? So, um, could, could, I for one, could I interrupt for just one second? Because I don't want to, uh, I, I may just be operating on, on some misunderstanding here. Are PFA, 
S, is that the same thing as forever chemicals? Yes, sir. Good question. Bill. It's, a, it's, it's a large class of chemicals. Um, but uh, yeah, PFAS are forever chemicals. And um, the, the main two sources of contamination are uh, manufacturing plants where they, where they make the fluorinated chemicals and aqueous film forming foam, AFFF, AFF. Um, and the, the litigation that we uh, are in currently is we're, we're essentially trying to, uh, there's a couple classes of cases, including property damage and personal injury cases where either people or land has been contaminated by these chemicals. Um, and we're, we're, we're really fighting for uh, a, lot, a lot of these folks that have consumed contaminated water or firefighters that have been exposed to the foam. Um, it's all over fire stations. Um, and we're just trying to trying to bring light and bring justice to some of these some of these people that have been affected by this um, causes horrific cancers and a lot, of, a lot of the defendants and the manufacturers of these these bones and these chemicals have never really been held accountable for any of this um, so it's a, it's a large litigation and we're trying to trying to get get some justice for some of these people who've really really been affected very very deeply by by these chemicals so I, I'd like to ask a stupid question if I might, but um, is the point of the litigation to get damages for people or is the point of the litigation to do something so that these forever chemicals don't end up in our water and our food and our air? Where does the, where, yeah. help me, help me understand that. Obviously we're looking for damages and um, damages for some of our, some of our plaintiffs. And uh, of course they have health, healthcare bills and, everything else that they've been that has been affected by this um but it, it also serves a purpose to uh re really put these manufacturers on on notice um pfos has not been discontinued they've changed some of the chemistry they've shortened i don't want to go into the details but uh they've they've changed the chemicals around a little bit but they really haven't been stopped there's no there's there's no real regulation on the books yet um so that civil litigation like this can kind of push stuff like that forward. Um, so our our primary goal is to uh, to help our clients and help some of these plaintiffs that have been affected. Um, but that is that is definitely a secondary goal is to uh, put push them as hard as we can to uh, to prevent these from continuing to be used and continuing to affect affect our environment. Well, for people to get a, a sense of the magnitude of what this case is involving, attorney. Jan Olson, I, uh, there was a, a really large number of pending lawsuits involving these aqueous film-forming foams, these AFFFs, and the PFAS results from them. And so all of these lawsuits are now being consolidated into a single litigation. How does that work? Um, so it's called a, a multi-district litigation. It's, a, it's similar to a class action it's it's different in that every individual involved has their own separate claim um and every case that involves involves these chemicals in the country ultimately winds up in federal court in south carolina they're all under the same judge and it's a way that plaintiffs um, and plaintiff firms can consolidate their resources which is especially useful when you're you're fighting against a large, large companies like this. Um, 
So if you took one single plaintiff and you sued them in state court, you're not going to have the resources to fight a company like 3M or DuPont. Um, so when you put everything together, it makes it, uh, makes it a lot easier. And for uh, when you have all these firms that can work together, they can pool resources other than, other than money and they can help each other with, uh, with the discovery process and gathering evidence. Um, so it, it's a very useful tool. And it, it, when you consolidate things like that, it just makes it easy for, easier for everybody. Well, I think I read that there's over 6,000 cases that are being consolidated in this multi-district litigation. Is the Environmental Litigation Group are you the principal attorneys for all of these plaintiffs? We are partially. Um, there's a there's a group in charge that's called a it's called an ex plaintiffs executive committee. Uh, there's a few lawyers from various firms that are involved on that committee. We're included on that. Um, th there are multiple different groups of cases in this. Like I said, there's property damage cases and. Uh, water systems that have been contaminated. What what we are really really heading on is um, firefighter and firefighter cases. We we represent a large number of firefighters across the country who have been exposed, as well as veterans. It's very common in the Navy. And I, I just want to ask you, Jan Olson, you went to law school. Did you did. always want to be an environmental attorney? This involves a real intersection of law and science, and it's complex science and you're fighting some very powerful companies. It's sort of like Aaron Brockovich kind of, uh, you know, taking on those who have boundless uh, resources to, to contest this. Is this something you always wanted to do? Uh, actually, yeah. Um, I, I grew up in uh, Pensacola, Florida, um, and moved back there with my family shortly after uh, the BP oil spill. And um, ever since then, this has always, always kind of been what I wanted to do. I, uh, always been an outdoorsy outdoorsy kind of guy I like to hike and fish and it just law, law, law school is really nice and being a lawyer is really nice because you can really go into exactly what you want to do and you can be a lawyer for that I've always wanted to do something with sustainability and environmental environmental issues it's important to me could you tell us a bit more about who the defendants are who are the companies that are making all the money off of these chemicals and these products yeah it's a uh, the, the main defendants in this are the manufacturers of uh, manufacturers of fluorinated chemicals, um, manufacturers of foam, uh, firefighter turnout gear. Um, that's a that's another large source, and then uh, a, a few other vendors and contractors that worked with some of these companies. But the, the main two defendants are Dupont and 3M. Um, 3M created these chemicals back in the 60s or 70s, I believe, um, 60s, worked with the U.S. Navy and then uh, I think DuPont got involved a little later and then in about 2003M stopped making it and contracted some of this out to other people and as of about 2000, the number of, the number of companies that made fluorinated chemicals and made firefighting foam really increased. So. It's a, it's a mix of manufacturers and uh, fluorinated chemical manufacturers, specifically foam manufacturers and some other, other vendors. I'd like to ask a question. This may be dumb, so I apologize in advance. But it seems to me, from my general reading on this, that these forever chemicals are well known to be highly carcinogenic. 
very dangerous and very dangerous for those who come in who are exposed to them and very dangerous for everyone else who could be exposed to them because of their uh, the way in which they infect the environment, our water, our air, our ground, and all of that. How is it that chemicals like this with these properties end up on the market with virtually uh, I want to say no, but very few restrictions um, and are widely available to hurt all of us. Isn't there any government agency that has some jurisdiction over this? That's a, that's a tough one. Um, the, the big thing is that a lot of the uh, really harmful effects didn't start coming out until the early 2000s. If you look at the, the bulk of the research and when, when some of these studies started coming out, you, there, there's really nothing until about 2015, 2014, a little bit before that, but then the, the amount of papers and studies just, just explodes after about 2015. I get updates every day of uh, new studies related to PFAS. Um, so really it was just, it was just hidden. Um, there was a litigation in West Virginia in 2014-ish, um, it's a Netflix documentary about it. And that's when this really started to come into the public eye. Um, and it, it takes a while for some of the science to start developing. And the, the EPA is, however, uh, so, sometime soon they should be releasing an actual federal guideline. There's recommended and EPA recommended levels for for water contamination. The the Biden administration really really made that a strict uh, strict level. I think it's a it's some t like tiny amount, um, like a drop of drop of water in an Olympic sized swimming pool uh, is what the uh, the maximum you should ever be according to the Biden Biden administration. The maximum you should ever be taking in. Um, but there are, uh, it's called a maximum contaminant level, and uh, that's actually a federal regulation, and you have to test for, for chemicals if they have a contaminant level, and um, th those should be coming out probably this year. Uh, it's, it's been in the works, but it's like government, slow going and takes some time. Well, what was really, when I was reading about this, Attorney Olson, what was really scary to me is that there were water contamination lawsuits involving municipal water supplies. And I think the both 3M and DuPont had to settle some of these. We are here in Western Massachusetts. We have a number of, uh, almost everybody's off an aquifer. We have municipal water supplies here. Are we likely to be contaminated by PFAS that come from aqueous film forming foam? Yeah. Um, Massachusetts, th th there's two states, and uh, some of this is a little dependent on state law because Massachusetts and uh, they, the state requires some more testing for PFAS. I'm a little ahead of the federal government and some of the rest of the country. But Massachusetts and New Jersey are probably the two most contaminated states, at least according to data that we have available to us. Um, and especially, uh, I'm Western Massachusetts, maybe not so much as Eastern Massachusetts, uh, but either way, it's a it's a problem statewide, um, especially anywhere around an airport or a military base, um, any, anywhere with a flight line. Uh, AFFF was mostly used on fuel fires and 
uh, airplane fires. So th that that's one of the real sources. Um, but Western Massachusetts is a is is heavily contaminated with PFAS, um, especially in some spots. And there are several municipalities that have have filed cases in this uh, in this litigation. Well, this litigation is uh, well important as important as it is alarming. We're talking with uh, attorney Jan Olson from the Environmental Litigation Group, which is handling this multi-district litigation involving PFAS, this horrific carcinogenic toxin. We're going to be back with Jan right after this. What I really, really want to know Is if I'm not in control Whoa, 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 whoa to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are back talking with attorney Jan Olson of the Environmental Litigation Group from Birmingham, Alabama. And we are talking about this uh, horrific toxin that's carcinogenic, PFAS, and particularly a litigation that involves uh, PFAS being... Uh, spewed into the environment um, by the manufacturer of aqueous film-forming foams, and as complicated as that sounds, something as, uh, as, as run-of-the-mill as Teflon pots and pans, the manufacturing process can create um, these terrible carcinogens. And Dan, you were, during the break, you were asking a question of Jan. Yeah, I wanted to know if uh, it is more dangerous for the human body if these PFAS are ingested versus like breathing it in. And can you talk a little bit about the quantity too? Yeah. Um, the, uh, as far as we refer to that as exposure routes, um, there, there's really three main ones, uh, inhalation, um, ingestion and, uh, dermal. Um, and in, in ingestion, if when you're ingesting these chemicals, that's a, that, that's by far the number one. So that, that, relates to water drinking or drinking water that's contaminated contaminated food um, in the case of some of our firefighters uh, touching their gear and then maybe licking their fingers or putting their hands around their mouth um, but at, at the same time uh, it can also be inhaled uh, when you spray this foam on a fire the uh, obviously the foam the foam will heat up and it'll it'll uh, off gas a little bit and if you inhale that that's another way you can be exposed um, the, the dermal exposure is a little less, but at the same time, there's there's a, quite a few studies that show it's a it it, it goes through your skin, um, but ingestion is by far by far the uh, number one route. Um, Jan Olson, is is it are there alternatives readily available? Uh, let me back up a little bit. Something like the foam that we use that firefighters use to put out fires. Obviously, it's an important thing for firefighters to have tools to put out fires. Is there an alternative that doesn't have PFAS dangers accompanying it that firefighters have available to them and that manufacturers um, should be using? So, the, the, there's a the, the biggest problem with uh, really getting AFFF off the market and getting rid of some of these chemicals is that it, it, it's very effective um, at what it's designed to do. Um, that being said, they have they have changed the uh, some of the the chemical composition of it. It's called a C six chemicals. Um, 
essentially it's just a it's a shorter carbon chain in the molecule so uh, it's a uh, it doesn't really doesn't really stick into your bloodstream as well um, I guess that's the simple way to put it uh, but there's there's other research saying that those are just maybe not just as toxic as some of the older PFOS chemicals um, but they, they still have a have some health effects there are other types of foam um, you, there's a protein foam is common it's made out of animal fat um, doesn't contain any fluorinated chemicals but but the big thing is that they uh, AFFF is designed for fuel fires um, so it, it is something that's difficult to replace and that is one reason why it is still on the market yeah you would think that they're non-toxic safe alternatives I guess my last question Jan is if a listener believes number one how would a listener know that they might be victims of um, uh, PFAS contamination. And if they believe that they are, um, the second part of the question is what can they do to become part of, to join this or find out what their rights are with respect to this multi-district litigation? Yeah. Um, the, the first, um, most people who are really at risk of exposure, uh, obviously people who work around these chemicals, if you work in a plant or you're a firefighter, um, or if you live near any sort of large military base with a with a flight line, any major airport, um, and there are some resources online. Some there's contaminated rivers across the country, uh, and another one is uh, if you if you have a private well and you live near any of these places and you don't don't use municipal water, um, that's when you're really at risk. And you can get blood tested for it. Uh, it I think the half life in blood is about five or so years. Um, so you can get a blood test, it'll show up. There's calculators online that will tell you if you're drinking, if you know the levels in the water you're drinking, uh, how much you could have in your blood. Um, but if, if, if you are exposed and you have an injury that, that is linkable to it, there's, there's a, you can reach out to us at environmental litigation group. There's other, other firms involved. Um, there's advertised the commercials about, uh, I see them frequently, probably because I think about it a lot. But um, there, there's numerous ways to sign up and get involved. And uh, if you if you do, you can always talk to talk to a lawyer who can who can tell you exactly what you need to do. Could you go back? <clears throat> excuse me. Could you go back for a second to uh, Air Force bases for a minute? Because we have a large Air Force base near us, Westover Air Reserve Base, and I'm wondering right. if you could explain briefly why the air a uh, base like that uh, poses this danger potentially yeah so um like i said it's a uh, one of the one of the main uses for hfff foam is it fire department airport fire departments and military bases for, for aircraft fires um and the big thing with military bases is frankly the department of defense has enough money to just they, they can train with pfos and hfff foam a lot more than a municipal fire department or a civilian airport so there's just higher quantities of it. Anytime there's, an, there's a crash, they're going to be spraying AFFF foam on something. And eventually it's going to leak into the groundwater, which if you have a municipal water supply that comes from the groundwater and not, not surface water, it's more likely you're going to have PFAS in that water. Um, ultimately, they, they just use more of it and it winds up in the groundwater. So I, I guess the message to uh, leave folks with is that if in fact you are suffering from, if you, if you know that you have cancer, particularly in the lower uh, portion of your body, 
Um, you should be tested for, for PFAS contamination. And if you want to learn more about what your rights are, you can contact the Environmental Litigation Group, which is involved in the multi-district litigation. So far, there are over 6,000 cases of folks involved in this litigation. It's very important. It's really toxic. Um, Jan Olson, anything else that we haven't mentioned that you want to make sure listeners hear? I don't know. I just want to make sure people are aware of aware that this is a problem, aware that they have rights. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Well, that's plenty. Thank you so much, not only for joining us today on Talk to Talk, but also for the, all that you and your law firm is doing to make our environment safer for all of us. Thank you, Jan. Thank you. Appreciate y'all having me on. We will be right back. We're going to be talking with Jennifer Shaw of the Amherst School Committee right after this. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.